Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and just don't give a 50 like us. Well, actually, sometimes I do give a 50 because I've been really giving a few 50s today. (laughs) Mercury is in retrograde and it's playing havoc. We don't even know what happens, but all we know it causes chaos. Oh, I don't even shit show. I don't even know what it is. And if it sounds like we're in a war zone, don't be concerned (laughs) we're not. There's just a bit of drilling going on the roof as a bit of icing on the cake. To our very, very stressful day. But anyway, we don't have any long-winded reviews to report. Why are you laughing at me? Just as you said that, look, sounded like a, a mortar went off. We shouldn't laugh about that. Anyway, let's get going. Oh, we're actually a bit delirious because it's been a really, really yes, stressful day. But anyway, here we are. So we don't have any long-winded reviews to report, but I'm going to share a few yeah, comments so from come our recent. Send a few long-winded ones through. <laughs> come on, you lot. We love them. <laughs> Um, comments from our recent inaction dancing posts on our stories. Surely you saw those. Comments included but are not limited to girls can dance. Okay, I like that one, Trish. Well, yes. Love this. Oh, still got the moves, girls. Bloody gold nutters. And Mm. I I wear nutters as a badge of honour. Me too. Yeah. I don't mind being called a nutter at all. Such fun. So fun to have a dance and a good laugh, especially at ourselves and especially needed it today. In fact, I may or may not have had a boogie this morning. I may have made her have a boogie Mm. um, to shake the shit loose, as I, we like to say. I, yeah, I needed to shake the shit loose because I was about to give old mate on the reception desk a Chinese burn. Anyway, that's, that's a whole different story. <laughs> it's a whole different story. Is it, well, it was, though, Trish, a timely reminder to make sure that we have fun and fun at ourselves and have a boogie. We don't even care if using the word boogie makes us sound all very old, do you reckon? No. Don't care. Love the word. Vintage is cool, Dal. Vintage is cool. Yeah, okay, let's just run with that. Remember, bust a move whenever you can. After all, who gives a 50? And it feels so good. So speaking of feeling good, let's talk about this week's awesome guest. Yeah, We are excited, so 50 and excited to have the uber-amazing 50-isher Kim Morrison back in the studio with us. And in the studio, what a treat. Yeah, I know. So those of you who have been on this ride with us, you will know that beautiful Kim was actually one of the very first ladies we interviewed. In fact, I think she was the first the first person oh, that we had wow. in the studio, like up until that point, the first three episodes were just, just you and I. Yeah, there so you Kim are. came in. Very what a generous. generous soul. What a very brave soul putting yourself in. Oh, shit, I know. So if you haven't heard it, go back and you've got to go way back and have a listen after this. It was a brilliant conversation and trust me, after listening to her today, you'll want more and we will put a link in our show notes. Now, for those of you who may not know Kim, who are new to our Don't Give a 50 mm. Right, mm. uh, she is such a special soul. In actual fact, Kim is a legit rock star of the wellness world. Mm, I always wanted to be a rock star, so yes. I'm really happy. You've mentioned that a room. few occasions. Well, I have to, you know, you've got to repeat things for it you to do. sink in. Yeah. So I'm happy to share the room with another rock star. So Kim is a sought-off speaker, wish I could speak, <laughs> a five-times best-selling author, founder of 28 Essentials, an organic chemical-free skincare and aromatherapy company with inspiring online education. Education programs. Now, if that's not enough, mm. one of those overachieving types, <laughs> Kim holds qualifications in neuro-linguistic programming, NLP for short, mm. hypnotherapy, counselling, the four temperament, did I get that right, theory, mm. as well as in homeobotanical therapy, reflexology, orthobionomy, is that right? Having a cracker today. Fitness leadership and remedial massage. All I can say is I'm glad that you had that line to <laughs> Who would have thought I've come a long way? Who would have come? <laughs> Not to mention she is the self-care queen. She is fit, hot, multitasking wife and mum to two adult children. And she has also been a marathon, ultra-marathon runner in a past life. Well, actually this life, but that was a while ago now. She has created a unique and very special online program with a community of amazing like-minded women who champion each other to be their greatest and most loved version of themselves. It provides support, education, 
education and inspiration. Most recently, Kim has launched her self-love and wellness mentorship program. Welcome, gorgeous Kim. Hello, Kim. You got through it and that's it. We got through it. We got through it. But how bloody awesome are you? Oh, you're no more than anyone else, my love. Just the passion of learning. That's what it is. Mm. Now, we promised we would get you back in when we were talking on the first podcast. And when we were talking the first time, you we were focusing in on your self-love book and all of your beautiful rituals. Now, what we'd really love to find out more about is your work with neuro-linguistic programming, Mm. hypnotherapy, counselling and mentoring. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm on board for this. I'm interested. Yeah. (laughs) Supremely interested. Supremely interested. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, Kim, for those who may have not stumbled across NLP yet, what is NLP? How and why does it work? Mm. Easy question. Easy question to start off with, Kim. Very easy. (laughs) Well, if you think about it, it's. It's looking, neuro-linguistic programming stands for neuro. We know that things affect us neurologically through our senses, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory and gustatory. So all of our senses take in meaning of the world. So that's the neural pathway. Then we have our linguistics, our language, how we use the words that we use, what the words mean, the meaning we put into those words, and then the programming. What are the modelling systems that we're working from? How are we repeating these? What are our patterns? And when you understand that, you can then take an observer, look at yourself and go, ah, that's why I get triggered by that person. Or, oh, maybe I could think differently. Or could I reframe? Or could I look at the situation of today? (laughs) Flip it. Flip it. So it's a very powerful tool. It really came about by two psychologists studying people who lived excellent lives. And what we find is modelling excellence. If you think about the people you look up to and admire the most, they Mm. do certain traits that other people don't. And that doesn't mean that they don't have bad days or drilling outside or (laughs) a change of podcast venues or that shit doesn't happen. It's Mm. not that. It's just how they respond to that as opposed to react to it. And that is mastering oneself and that is, can, you know, it can be work powerfully in relationships and families, at work and team dynamics, sports teams. It is incredibly profound. I definitely have some work on there. How Isn't I um, we handled been... this morning, Trish? <laughs> Reaction? Um, we, we spoke recently in a mm. podcast about catastrophizing. Mm. <laughs> there may have been a touch of that unravelling this morning. Mm. But sorry. here we are. Yeah. No, no, no need for sorry. Mm. As we spoke in other podcasts, it's and what I think Kim is talking about, it's when we get into that program or we see ourselves doing that, it's catching ourselves. Which I did. Which you did. Yeah. It must produce a really high level of self-awareness, mm-hmm. do you think? Very much. Okay. And I think the key to it is realising that we are all so part of the human experience. Think about it when you're a little two-year-old girl. You know nothing of the world except you. We're in an egocentric phase of our lives. Mm-hmm. Everything is about us. We think everyone does things for us and to us and around us, and we are the centre of everyone's universe. So if all of a sudden, and we think nothing other than love, grace, I'm mm. the best, I'm, look at any two-year-old, mm. they'll throw a tantrum, they don't care who's looking, yeah. they, they express themselves in every moment. And then we start to hear things like maybe mum and dad have an argument and maybe it's because dad's lost his job or maybe it can be as simple as mum forgot to pick the bread or milk up from on the way home from work mm-hmm. and there's an argument. Now, because we know that we make everyone happy, we also then can create a belief that maybe we make people sad as well. And so these beliefs, when we repeat a belief, a thought pattern and a a belief around that, if we keep repeating the thought, we start to believe it. And then we even think it's a truth. So then we grow up thinking, I'm not good enough. I annoy people. I upset people. And it can be triggered then from another loud person's voice or another person disappointed in you. And all of a sudden, because of what we call the reticular activation system, which is a part of the brain that's always looking for information to prove you right, it's incredible how much we then go, if we believe we're not good enough, we're going to keep looking for all the bits of information that prove us right. Mm. So it's quite challenging. Isn't it amazing? Self-destructive. It's Mm. almost like when... You're looking for something, you will find it. Like if something's on your radar, 
I mean, now it's different because they all have our algorithms and things do pop up that we're looking at. (laughs) But, yeah, it's that reinforcing what you focus on, you attract. So if you're telling yourself that this is happening because of that conditioning, I am a bad person or I am this or I did this or whatever, that that's what you keep noticing. It's like getting in our head and changing that story that we tell ourselves. it's easy to say, change the story, or I think I'm amazing, Mm. or then we look in the mirror and we go, oh, no, I'm fabulous, but there's an unconscious, Mm, this is all happening unconsciously. Yes, that's the thing. So the unconscious level, and if you think about it, we've got this this brain that at, at really at a level of 10% of us, we're thinking consciously, but all our behaviours and all our beliefs and values and meta programs and all of that is actually the 90% underneath. That's the, insane. The unconscious. So mm. people will think that this is the truth. This, But I've always said, the only one truth I can give you is that we have to breathe. You know, you will breathe and unconsciously we breathe. But even as we get older, our habits get worse. And you'll notice that we probably don't breathe as well as when we did when we were younger. There's more stresses. So even something that is naturally occurring and an unconscious thing that has to happen for us to survive, we can even change that through stress, not feeling good enough, uh, compounding levels of you know, maybe problems or experiences that aren't working for us. And then our breath gets shorter. We don't feel so great. Now we're thinking, well, I don't feel so great, so I need a wine. Then we have a wine and that interferes with our whole liver processing and how we think. And then we think it's okay, but the body is now working doubly over time to try and get rid of that. Then we go and reach for the Tim Tams or we, I don't know, we sabotage ourselves constantly Mm. because we're not feeling good enough. And when you look at it, to model excellence, or if we look at someone who's living an exceptional life or someone we look up to that we think is incredible, they have all the same stories and issues that we all have going on. They just choose in a nanosecond to become the observer, change that thought pattern, get curious about why they're thinking or behaving that way, and then use it as a platform to do it next time better. Mm. And so I guess the whole concept of NLP is modelling excellence. How do we become a more excellent version of ourselves? And also honouring the wobbly bits, the floppy bits, the the Yankee or cranky bits, the the parts of us that don't, you know, that maybe we don't always like all the time. But then there's the catastrophizing, the catastrophizing, the dramatizing. But all of that is and not taking anything too seriously. Bits that I also suffer from at times. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing. You know, we've talked about this, Trish, where humour I think is a beautiful way to honour our inadequacies or our perfect imperfections. It's mm. just a beautiful way to actually honour that we're we're human, we make mistakes, although there's a beautiful presupposition in NLP, there's no failure, only feedback. Oh, we've been bantering that out. You must have told me at some stage and I've been I've been rolling <laughs> yeah. that one out very frequently. As much as my rock star. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> so, Kim, with self-sabotage, because, I mean, I've always spoken of this because I believe that I'm guilty of it on occasion, but I think being human, we possibly all are. And the self-sabotage obviously is in that unconscious part of our mind. Yes. So NLP will help us with our self-sabotaging behaviours. Well, first of all, we've got to get beneath the layers. So there's a certain number of questions that we're trained to ask you. And we're looking for signals, for signs, for the IQ. So we always know that when someone's looking up to their right, up to the top right. Oh, the whole body that. language. Yeah, there's a whole body language and behind it as well. We're looking for visual cues. We're mm-hmm. looking for your tonality, a change in your voice, a change in your physiology, because you won't even realise you're doing it yeah. as you're answering the question. But mm-hmm. we're trained to look for all those nuances. And then when I ask certain questions, and it usually starts to hit a chord when we start talking about your parents or your upbringing, that is usually when we start to to dig into what we call the root cause. So we can fix a few things, if you like, or help you see things or reframe things. But if we don't get to the root cause of what actually caused that belief in the first place, then it's pretty much just putting a a plaster over it until it rears its ugly head again. Mm -hmm. And you might not have it happen so often, but until you clear that root cause or that Mm -hmm. limiting belief or emotion that's just totally sabotaging you, then you're going to keep doing the same thing. And as we know, if you keep doing the same thing, you'll always get what you've always done. Exactly. So when you say uncovering that root cause, is that obviously with your training, your techniques, is that a kind of an, an uncovery like questioning or what what how do you do it? How do you wait, wait, <laughs> well, you, 
Wow. <laughs> As a client, you Sorry, will think Kim. I'm just asking questions about your history. And mm-hmm. I am. And I'm genuinely interested. But there'll be certain words. For instance, you may say, my dad never loved me. Yeah, he never loved me. He was always grumpy. These are what we call generalizations. It's mm. not true. He was never always grumpy and he was mm. always not always loving you or perhaps he loved you in a different way. So mm. your concept and perception of what you think of your dad is based on your viewpoint. It's not based on someone else's viewpoint or his viewpoint. And we make assumptions all the time with communication. Yeah. Mm. So it could be that, um, I don't know, have you ever sent a text to somebody yes. and you're really keen to get an answer? they don't answer you, now you start creating these assumptions. Yeah. They're pissed off with you. Mm. You've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Now you then you send another text and go, is everything all right? They still don't answer you. Now you know you're in fear. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. And all that's happened is they've been in a meeting for two hours, but you've just yes. been stewing for two hours. And do that after a night out with them when you've already got the drinker's remorse. Let me tell you, I've been there. Mm, <laughs> I've yeah. done it this time. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. don't realise we can mm, offend people, mm. but then we also think that we've offended them when we haven't. But everything comes back to their I'll never forget. My grandmother taught me this in a beautiful way. We were driving down. You guys are going to laugh at this. But we're driving. My grandmother immigrated over here at 91 years of age. So whenever people say to me, I'm too old, I always think, "Mm, please. Yeah. Um, So she immigrated over here from New Zealand at 91. And I picked her up and I was driving her. Well, we actually would come back and I was taking her back to where she was living in Kingaroy. And we're driving down the freeway and she just always used to put her hand on my lap and she'd go, Penny, for your thoughts? Oh, she'd always ask what I was thinking and I obviously had that look. And I said, oh, Grandma, I can't tell you this one. And she goes, oh, no, darling, a problem shared is a problem halved. You know, mm-hmm. just, just you, know, you can talk to me. Anyway, the kids were in the back seat. They were only little and so I turned the music up so they couldn't hear me. But I said, Grandma, I keep having this horrible thought. I'm going to have a head-on accident I don't, I, when I'm driving. I don't know what it is. I just, And then I've read this book called The Law of Attraction, and the more you think oh, it, yeah, the, oh, more, the more you attract yes. it happens. So mm. I'm actually freaking out right now. And she yeah. goes, oh, darling, that's terrible. She goes, oh, no, sweetheart. You've got to remember when you have these thoughts, it's just the angels asking you to drive more carefully. Oh. And I sat there and I thought about it, and I was thinking, what a beautiful reframe. So if I'm worried mm. about something, yeah. no, just maybe the universe, the angels, whatever you want to call them, your guide, your soul, your spirit is just saying, drive a little bit more carefully, be a mindful, be aware. And so that was the first thing she taught me. And then the other thing she said one day, this guy cut me off. We're again driving, I was picking her up and he cut me off. Well, I got couldn't get the window down quick enough to give him the, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the beautiful um, salute at the bird. <laughs> the bird. Thing of, and as, one I trying, as I was trying to get the window down and go, bloody idiot, you know, and grandma goes, oh, I hope he's all right. And I said, what do you mean you hope he's all right? And he just about killed us he just you know and she goes mm. oh darling he might have just had a phone call that his child's just fallen off the jungle gym or maybe his wife's in labor and I went oh and then she goes have you ever driven erratically if you've had news about you? I thought mm, yes yeah. yeah and so that concept which is to for want of a better word an NLP concept which is always looking for more perspectives it's not just your linear perspective of a situation there's always and it's not just the other person's there's truckloads and we know that if you ask siblings that have grown up together what was your childhood like some will remember Mm. it was brilliant some will say it was terrible Mm. so again it's all based on our own viewpoint so I'm gathering from this because NLP is based on modeling excellence as you were saying Kim like say for example your grandma so she has a natural way of reframing that just came naturally because I'm assuming that she never received any NLP training or any therapy (laughs) or anything like that. So for those people that, you know, you were saying we all know people that excel and whatever, Mm. they're just naturally able to do that. Is that right? Would you agree? I would say there's, well, there's what we call our glass half full people and Mm -hmm. glass half empty people. You're always going to get that. Mm. And the glass half empties rather than looking at them as negative people, Mm. they tend to be people who see the problem first. So that's not a bad thing. And in survival Mm. and anthropological evolution, we needed those people that were looking for the problem. Good point. So it's not that they're bad and they should be put in a box and not allowed to speak. It's they're actually mm. mindfully aware that of, of the problems that could happen. Yeah. It becomes a problem when that's all they see. Yeah, and when it dominates their thinking. Or they're constantly worrying and having anxiety mm. because of something that could happen or mm. they maybe have depression because of something that's happened in the past. Yeah. So when we keep reliving experiences, remember rep- repetition is what creates the neural pathway. But then when we start to open up our perspective and there's certain languaging that we use with NLP training and then bring in what we call hypnotherapy or advanced 
used hypnotherapy where you start to use language to actually put people into a slight trance. And what that means is we're getting beyond your critical factor. We're taking you into your unconscious mind and you don't even realise it's happening. Are you doing that to us now? Yeah, (laughs) I feel like I am just about ready to go. slowly slipping away. slipping away. Which is very nice because when Kim arrived, we were quite hectic and erratic. <laughs> we were. Okay, yeah. Okay, keep going. We're loving yes. it. Yes. Yeah. So as, as you allow people to let go of that conscious thought mm. and now we surrender you to what we call the unconscious thought, then you have the potential to tap into a whole lot of more possibilities. And there's another viewpoint which I found quite, quite fascinating. When we look at all our the, the, the senses, the visual, auditory, mm. kinesthetic or gustatory, gustatory and olfactory, when we look at them all, we are receiving bits of information. They reckon anywhere between 2 and 10 million bits of information every second. Mm, so wow. our bodies are working biochemically. We're not thinking about our left fingernail growing right now. Well, we are now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, there yes. so many things yes. happening okay. so many things occurring. You're not mm. thinking about your food digestion. You're not thinking about, even though there's noises and there's things like that or they're or in a different room or whatever it is, mm. when you become focused or certainly into a room or an environment where you're just sitting in that you have no idea of what's really looking around or what's Mm. around you. And what's fascinating about that is because what they've seen in science is even though we're getting two to 10 million bits of information thrown at us, Mm. the brain couldn't actually manage that. Like there's no way we're going to store 10 million bits of information every second. So they reckon in a science perspective that we actually only hold 136 bits. That's where we get to a point where we can actually manage the 136 bits. That's a small amount out of 10 million. It's fascinating so, that they um, whittled it down I to 136. It's quite specific, isn't it? Yeah. From I'm 10 just million. One of those that memory is, tests that they do and they give you yeah. like five words. I'm just about remembering this. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's yeah, that's insane. extraordinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, you know, before when I said to you, depending on your belief system, so if you don't think you're good enough, mm. you can imagine out of 10 million bits of information, many of which say you're amazing, mm. if you're thinking you're a dork or you're a fat fart or you're not good enough or any of those thoughts and beliefs, yep. then the 136 you're going to choose are going to validate that thought Reinforce and them. Mm. And, but that's what you think is your world. Yeah. And it's not. No. It's nothing. It's nowhere near the potential of mm. what you think it could be. And our job isn't to change you. Our job in many ways as a hypnotist is to unhypnotize you, to stop you in that hypnotic trance of what mm. you believe to be true. So I quite like it. I, I liken it to unraveling your belief on the world, unraveling your or let just try and let go of a little bit of the conversation that you think is true mm. and then if you've done any of Byron Katie's work or anybody that Byron do the, the turnaround how would you be without that thought so if you say I'm, a, I'm useless I'm not good enough who would you be without that thought I just love that question mm. because even though you might go well I wouldn't be but imagine if you could and that's what the other word but imagine if you were mm. or imagine what you would say or even better what would you say to your daughter what would you say to someone you really love mm. and the thing is what we say to others yeah. is so much nicer usually yeah. than what we say between our own two ears. Yeah. But it's what goes on between our own two ears that forms these neural pathways that then create these values and beliefs that then have us use repetition behaviour or thoughts or beliefs until we think it's such a belief it's true. When you explain it like that, it's just, it makes so much sense. So much sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know, like with the hypnotherapy, so but backtracking slightly. So when somebody comes to you seeking NLP, um, do they come seeking NLP or do you say to them, okay, I think this is what you need? That's my first question. And how long is it, how long does it take them to go from the questioning to hypnotherapy? Hmm. Or, or do you do that straight off the bat or is everything well, you don't realise it's happening? <laughs> like you're in a podcast studio. <laughs> and if I remember, you know, mid-90s hypnotherapy and, you know, mm. on Hey Hey It's Saturday. Well, it wasn't hypnotherapy. <laughs> it was, you know, they were being hypnotised and, you know, everyone was on the stage doing silly things, pretending they were chickens, and then they would come out of the trance and not even remember. And they were, they were travelling around the country, remember? 
Do you remember that? Vaguely. It was one at Alex, I think, and we went as a family thing and I think I got up on stage but they were like, no, you can sit down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so the, the kind of the difference in that hypnotherapy to well, that razzle-dazzle circus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they will do a big screening process to get those people and those people are very open and very mm. easily, for want of a better word, manipulated. They're yeah. Okay. Easily, that, that makes sense. Yeah, so if you so if you've ever watched, I can tell you a great thing to watch on Netflix is anything with Darren Brown, D E R R E N, Darren Brown. He's got a couple of shows on there, and he is a hypnotherapist, and it, he just shows you how people. So one of the shows would someone kill someone out oh. of a belief that they were doing something for the greater good, and they have all these people, and they they actually get that to get you onto the show. They're looking for the most influenced people. So right. one of the screen tests is they come in, they sit, the person, they don't realise everyone's an actor in the room, but they come in and they sit down and then a bell goes and one of the people stands up and that person will look and go, oh, and so they stand up and then they sit down and then a bell rings again and they stand up, so they stand up. So it's a bit like that. We don't want to not fit in. So we don't okay. know why we're doing it, but okay. that seems to be what we have to do for this thing. Then another stranger will come in and sit down, but now the other stranger and the actor stand on the the beep and now this person's if that person doesn't stand they're out yeah right mm-hmm. so they're they're yeah because yeah. they'd be sitting there going what yeah. the hell they, they've already got a high what we call a high critical factor mm-hmm. whereas the person looking goes oh well, mm-hmm. maybe that's what i have to do yes yeah, so and then we can use anchoring and and touch points on how to tell people to think a different color is something like it's mm-hmm. it's incredible how we can help support the mind to think differently mm-hmm. but that's where you know the way hypnotherapy works is through repetition and intensity so we have to repeat it over and over and then when you get more and more intense and if you watch any hypnotherapy programs or if you watch anything around it, it's really intense at certain points mm. and that's where we kind of break through the threshold and create new thinking. So how far into the treatment does hypnotherapy begin? Oh, I start. I mean, most people that come to me don't even realise that, that my voice, the way I speak, they're probably already surrendering. They're probably already becoming more vulnerable or more mm-hmm. open. If they trust you, what you're trying to do is to get through that critical factor to help them understand mm-hmm. that you're there to support them. They don't. I don't necessarily get anyone ring me and go, I need NLP. Yep. It'll be, yep. I've got major anxiety issues. I want to give up smoking. I can't stop eating. I am having relationship issues. I do a lot of work with relationships. Mm. And the beautiful thing I love about relationships is we have a set of values. And these values are based on our beliefs. So you might value health really highly. Mm-hmm. And if you value it highly, it means you're always watching what you're eating, you're exercising, you're moving, you're doing things. It's one of your highest values. Everything works around health. But you might be married to someone and their number one value is work. And they their number one value is work so that they can provide for the family. Mm-hmm. Now, you can imagine if the husband, let's just say it's a husband, doesn't get home in time because he's working long hours, but she was trying to get to the gym and she's going to start to think, well, you don't care about me. But in fact, he's caring about you by working longer because that's his highest value. Not enough to think that for you, but now we can see our values are misaligning. And a mm-hmm. lot of relationships break down, not because they're not good people, not because because they're having problems. It's just their values. They haven't connected in. When you think about when you first get married or fall in love, everything seems to match. It's just like, (laughs) this is insane. They think like I do. We think the same. But of course, every day we're changing. We're Mm. being influenced by other things where we've got new jobs or we've got highs, we've got lows, we've got deaths, we've got tragedies. We've got so many things that go on on a daily basis. Mm. If we're not aware of what we're doing or how we're communicating or what we're missing, then you're missing a massive part of a beautiful, open, authentic communication. And Mm. that is the downfall of most humans' relationships is through communication. I would imagine that some people that come to see you would really embrace your strategies that you take them through in your line of questioning. So they would probably benefit from NLP very quickly. And some people, it would be a much longer process, maybe not because they're not open to it, but maybe they're more, they're carrying 
more of the self-sabotaging qualities? Well, yes, let me give an example. I've got uh, I've got an essential self-mastery program that I'm running at the moment. First week, everyone was fired up. There's 24 women in this group. They're mm. all excited. It's called the Essential Self-Mastery Program, so they want to master themselves. They want to become better versions of themselves. Yeah. They're ready for a change or the pain point has been so high that they need something to, to help them see the world differently. So they've either seen me speak or heard me and they've decided, yep, I'll come to her guidance. Mm -hmm. So the first week we did a whole thing around the mind, how we think, why we think, and pretty much the first session was all around self-sabotage. And everyone can kind of relate to it because we Mm. are in a space of sabotaging ourselves quite frequently. Mm. And then the second week when I gave them their, and they got their fitness program that first week, the second week they got a nutrition program. And in that week I asked them all to send me a photo of them in their bra and knickers, front, side and back, mm. as well as their measurements. Mm. Oh, you should have seen the triggers. Mm. You should have seen. What are you going to do with the photos? What if this gets out into the internet? I don't want to send in photos. Mm. Why should I do this? This isn't what I signed up for. I get a physical mm. reaction in my body when you say that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you can my see. My tongue goes to the roof of my mouth. And yeah. Mm. My teeth go. Ugh. But here's the thing. Mm. I'm not. I think you're beautiful no matter what. I think you're stunning no matter what. Your body is a reflection of what you've done or not done to it. And so, therefore, we can't berate the body. The body is just a beautiful barometer for what you've been doing and to it and on it and in it. Is that why you get them to send... It's the accountability and also I want to push their buttons Mm -hmm. because I'm not the only one that's going to push a button. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like um, I remember for years I would say, I didn't even know I was saying it on stage, I'd say something like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. And it wasn't until one day in a feedback form I had someone say, you're actually blaspheming, you're offending with saying God. Yep. I hadn't even noticed I said it. Mm, I listened to a replay Mm. and I did say it Mm. and I'd never want to offend anybody. Mm. So then to reframe it, because it's such a strong pattern, Mm. I've always said, oh, my God, oh, my God, it was very strange. Yes. Mm. Then what I did was I thought, well, what can I create? It's not like you're just going to stop saying it because it's such a strong pathway. So you've got to think of another pathway and then you've got to practice that. Yeah. Because it's the practice to override that neural pathway then mm. becomes stronger. So then I'd go, all right, if I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oh, my gosh. So now I, I do. Oh, my gosh. gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And mm. it, I catch it. And for a while there it was clunky. Yeah. Until, and I was consciously then became competent at it. And now I'm unconsciously competent. So I can mm. do it. I don't even think about saying God anymore. Mm. Because my intention when I speak is never to offend anybody. Sure. But. Why did that person get reacted to it and someone sitting next to them didn't? Mm. So it's actually not what I said. What she perhaps could have looked at was, well, it doesn't matter what Kim says. I want to go after why does that offend me? Mm. And if you went into her values and beliefs, her values and beliefs would have been around, obviously, Christianity Mm. or the meaning of God. And so, therefore, I can't take offence to that because that's just her viewpoint. Mm. So Mm. I didn't get triggered by that. I just thought, how beautiful she's shown me another way. How can I communicate better? So instead of having this tit for tat, well, you're an arsehole or you're Mm. this or you didn't think that or I don't believe in God or I do believe in God, it's it's not about that. Mm. But Mm. ego-wise, we fight at that level Mm -hmm. instead of saying, my two favourite words in the English language whenever mm-hmm. someone has something different to me is, that's interesting. Mm. <laughs> it diff- yeah. You can't argue with her, that's interesting. Mm, and yeah. It's just, that is interesting you think so differently to me. Mm. And so, therefore, I'm always interested and curious to go after, why did that trigger me, not you triggered me? No one triggers yes. anybody. Mm. It's, why did that word? You could say mm. the C word. Not, I'm annoyed that. at you, yes. but, but we do why say that. is that annoying me? Or it's yeah. the same thing. I could say the C word right now. Some people would crack up at it. Please don't. No. Very offensive. <laughs> <laughs> you just sent me it in a bloody text. <laughs> 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 initial and it was autocorrect people. <laughs> but some people would go, ha ha, that's funny. Other people would go, I'll never listen to that podcast again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean? yeah. 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 The other thing, think about when you're a little girl. If you had a bad experience, let's say f- around a clown, you, you just found clowns freaky, oh creepy, street performers, awful. Mm-hmm. And then you're walking through Brisbane, Queen Street Mall, and there's clowns everywhere. And you're like, and you don't mm. know why you're frightened. Mm. It's not the person in the costume. It's not no. that, that person is creepy and stalky and clowny and all of that. It's just a costume. Mm-hmm. So what what we'd go after then is what were the emotions present 
when you very first felt creeped out by a, a clown. And we go after that. Then I'm looking for those emotions. Then we're looking at how to reframe it or how to anchor in a new belief or a new habit. Mm. And then we practice it mm. and mm. until it becomes normal. And then clowns don't bother you anymore. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> So the practice is obviously critical as well, like anything, isn't it? You have to Could practice be. to like, be competent at and anything. And sometimes you've heard the thing, sometimes we have to hear things seven times before we get it. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, that's just the imprinting. And if you think mm. about it, if you watch television, particularly through COVID, I was fascinated by this from a hypnotherapy point of view. When you watch the mainstream television, whether you're into vaccination or not, that's not the debate. I was curious as to how the government was going to get everyone to get on board to be vaccinated. And when you watched it, well, they used fear. Media news does use fear because it's they do. intriguing. And they we do. as humans mm. are attracted mm. to fear. They're more likely to consume it. And drama, mm-hmm. we love drama. Yep. But if you watched it, and I counted in one news bulletin, mm. I don't watch mainstream television very often, but mm. I was watching this for this reason. They said COVID vaccine or vaccine mm. 26 times yeah. in a one minute segment. Yep. 26 times yeah. it was the vaccine. And how do you think about the vaccine? And with the vaccine, what do you think the vaccine could do? And how can we save people's lives with the vaccine? And that's so what they do. Watch, and, that was, mm. and then it got intense. Mm. So it was like, we've had two people die in hospital today. We've had 20 people mm. die. Now, I'm not berating the stats or I'm not trying to get mm. on board with some big argument, but I found it fascinating mm. because was it really true? And that's the other thing. You've got to remember with the news, all the news bulletins come in an editor sits there and goes, which one's going to get us the most ratings? Oh, which mm-hmm. one's going to give us the biggest feedback? Mm. So one person is now deciding on one news mm. bulletin to go out, and it's one person's view. Yeah. And yet we sit there watching the TV thinking it's the truth. Yeah. And so my question, and I love my kids, we all watch it and we all go, well, what if it wasn't that? And what about the other side? Mm-hmm. And all of these things. And I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Another good way it's, to say it's, it. it's very much like the marketing approach, isn't yes. it? That repetition. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and a, the intensity. How are you going to be? Like, mm. Drink Diet Coke. You're going to be free and fit. And oh, you're yeah. going to be amazing. You're mm. going to have this body of a goddess. And, mm-hmm. and it's all because of Diet Coke. I don't know what it is the ads are. <laughs> yeah. But that's how advertising It's poison works. people. Yeah. <laughs> um, another way of looking at it, um, there's a drink bottle in here that's that's round. But I'm going to, if I held that up in front of you, Mel, and mm. there was a light coming on that and that shone the light up onto a screen behind me, what shape do you think that would be up on the wall? behind me. I'll tell, tell a, a cylinder. It would be like a, a rectangle, right? Because mm. it's one-dimensional. Oh, okay. Light, if it's one dimensional. Right? Yes, yep. So yep. light. So just for the mm-hmm. listener, it's a bottle held on its side. It looks like a rectangle if I had a light on it. Mm. That exact same bottle, though, if I turned it the other way mm. and we had the light shining on it, what's, what now, shape? Now it's a circle. So it's the exact same bottle but two very different perspectives. Ah, let's see what you've done there. Mm. <laughs> Walked you right into that, love. Yeah. <laughs> so your husband yeah. could be thinking rectangle. You're thinking circle mm. but it's the same thing yeah right coming yeah, out yeah, from a different yeah, angle. yeah and that is a beautiful understanding of mm. communication yeah it must be really really now what's the word i'm looking for here trish i need some well, help i was thinking it must be satisfying to see people like see the results and see them change their mindset and i guess have a more fulfilling life because well i don't know maybe is that just perspective more fulfilling but the more it is. Well, if you think about it, there's a beautiful diagram about, you know, when we draw a line in the sand, oh, I'm done. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not going to put up with that behaviour anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore, whatever it is. Mm. And normally at that point, there's a lot of pain involved, isn't it? We there need that be pain. a lot of pain or we're motivated by pleasure. We're yeah, motivated by pain yeah. or pleasure. So either mm-hmm. to get away from pain or move towards pleasure. Predominantly, though, it's moving away from pain. Mm. And so if our motivation is to move away from pain, well, the interesting thing is, is if we draw a line in the sand, there's a, there's a beautiful model which says when we go below the line, we're in blame, denial, or we make excuses. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, we all do it. Oh, yeah. We'll blame the traffic. We'll blame the studio. We'll blame the drilling. We'll blame the, the mm. mean person on the road or whatever. We can blame. We can go into denial. I didn't say it. wasn't me. I didn't do that. I can't remember. I think we mm. did that when we were teenagers, pre-mobile phones <laughs> and social media. We were lucky. because I, I, yeah, I, I didn't say that. I don't remember that. I didn't do that. Well, well, I mean, you, you must have been drinking because I didn't I'd never say that. <laughs> or we make yeah, excuses. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, um, look, I, I tried to get my homework in, but the cat, 
Yeah, oh, it, the dog ate that, and then mm. the bird flew away with it. I'm sorry. So, yeah. look, ultimately, at the end of the day, no one cares. No one mm. really cares about your excuses, your denial, or your ability to not even want to be responsible. But when we go above the line, we're accountable, responsible, and we take ownership for everything. So the person that cut me off in traffic, I can't be responsible for his behaviour, but I can be responsible for my response to it. Mm -hmm. I can't help the whole last two years, three years of what we've experienced and lockdowns and all of the things. I can't get upset with that, but I can be accountable, responsible and take ownership. So I made sure I was taking all my vitamins. I was looking after myself. Mm -hmm. I was keeping my immune system healthy and well. I did everything I could Mm -hmm. to be as accountable, responsible and take ownership for myself. That's Mm -hmm. the best thing I could do and my family. Mm -hmm. But if we're blaming the government or blaming China or blaming Trump or blaming, and if you get triggered by any of these things, Mm. there's an unconscious belief underneath that that drives it. So we can say, how did Hitler convince his Mm. people to kill six million Jews? That was a huge hypnotic trance and a belief system he grew that had them all tap into it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just saying it in a very generalized way, but ultimately that's what leaders do. Good leaders are even better, of course, because they persuade us to become better versions of ourselves. Yeah. Mm. And that could be a Mother Teresa or a Gandhi or people like that mm. that we've always looked up to in their quotes and their insights. That is beautiful leadership. Mm. So ultimately, we're all leaders and we all create a ripple effect in the planet. So how do we become accountable, responsible and take ownership? It's doing it for ourselves, not in a selfish way, but in a selfless way. Mm. How can I be the best version of me right here, right now, so that I live a long, healthy, prosperous rich, full life. Which is the ultimate goal of NLP, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, what I was about to say before was it would benefit relationships. That was the word I was looking for, the NLP. I can see now how it would benefit. Mm. It saves marriages. Yeah. It saves mother-daughter relationships. Mm. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we've just all got a different viewpoint. And we are so busy trying to convince other people of our viewpoint. Yeah, we step out of our ego and go, Mm. that's interesting. That's the way you think. That's Mm. cool. Yeah. Never thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, I also used to hold a pen up, you know, when people would go, you should vaccinate, you shouldn't vaccinate. And I'd hold this pen up and I'd go, well, whether you're on this end of the scale or this end of the scale, doesn't matter which end of the pen you're on. It's the same pen. We all want to be safe, healthy and okay. Mm. We all actually want the same things, yep. but our beliefs or our values, one values medicine and the other values their immune system or their own ability to do it. Mm-hmm. So there's no right or wrong. It's just different. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it is interesting, isn't it? Mm. One thing I was thinking about was, you know, the kind of us humans being results orientated. Is there some examples of people that you've worked with or changes that you've seen that have really blown you away? Well, yeah, I've worked with athletes and they've got a goal in mind and so we do these beautiful modelling excellence um, techniques where for one of them is the circle of excellence. So When you say that, all I can think of meet the flockers in the circle of trust. Yeah, yeah. No, and you've seen that movie? (laughs) It did, it cracks me up. Oh, a long time (laughs) ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you think about this, anyone listening right now, if we can even do it together, but just imagine drawing a big circle in front of you that you could ultimately step into. But before we step into it, I want you to think back to your in your past of when you succeeded in something or when you did well. It doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be small, mm. just something that you remember doing really well. And then it might be, I don't know, let's just say you won a speech competition. And so think about that speech competition. Now think about the feelings that you had. So I felt proud, I was confident, I was alive, I, I spoke well, I um, believed in myself, I loved the message. And so you start, now I get you to step into the circle. But we might colour that circle and make it vibrant. You choose a colour, it might be that you choose pink. Now turn that colour up, make it really bright. Let's intensify that confidence, that ability to help make a difference, your beautiful words, the message that you've got across. Really embody that. Now take it into every one of your cells. Drink it up and then we take it up another level while you're inside that circle of excellence. And then we just take a nice deep breath. And then I invite you to step back out of the circle of excellence and just let it calibrate within you. And now picture lifting up that circle that you've drawn on the ground, fold it up into a small piece of paper and place it in your heart or in an imaginary pocket 
that is with you now forevermore. And whenever you feel you need to step into the circle of excellence to tap in those resources that you had when you did do well at something, Mm. you can now recreate that by stepping into, metaphorically, into the circle of excellence. That's just one idea of a technique because it's not rocket science. It's Mm. it's actually you have all the resources and answers within you. You've just been clouded with beliefs, other people's teachings, all the things that you've grown up with, conditioning. You've clouded that, but you are an absolutely purely beautiful, authentic, vibrant, amazing soul. You have everything you need. And I think one of the last things I'd love people to realize is instead of looking for what we haven't got, what if we could just take a breath right now and notice what we have got? Mm. We live on the Sunshine Coast. We have beautiful views. You might be looking out at nature. You might be driving. You can drive. You're not in hospital. You may be, you've just been able to buy yourself a beautiful organic tofu, macrobiotic something or other, and you, can, <laughs> and you eat that and you feel great. What are the things you've got? You've got family. You've got kids. You've got friends. You've got two eyes that can see. You've got, if you ask people on their deathbed, what do they miss or what will they miss the most? It's that stuff. Mm, It's not mm. the working 24 hours a day. It's not the Mm, trying mm. to run a marathon. It's the connection. It's Mm. the truth. It's the authenticity. So my, my final message, and I always try and get this across with clients, is what have you got? What have you actually got? Because most of us ignore that and we focus on the negatives. Yeah, focus on what we don't have. Mm. It's a good message for our 50-year shares, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah, it is that transitional time where a lot Mm. of emotions come to the fore that, you know, we have been suppressing for years and years because we've been very, very busy raising families or establishing careers and things like that, you know, for those that don't have kids. Well, I think, And then I think it, it exposes it, you know, when we, like, move into this, time of our lives, Kim. So, Dr. Libby Weaver talks about Mm. these years, particularly, Mm. which is why she'll be amazing to have on your show, but she Mm. talks about these years as us stepping into our wisdom. Yeah. Mm. So we finally have time to give back to ourselves. These are the years. I know. These are the years where we can serve others with what we've learned. We can support. This is what this podcast is about. (laughs) Yeah. Look, and when you've created it, what is this about? It's about us women honoring us as we age, not berating us because we don't have wrinkle free skin anymore or we Mm. have boobs that maybe we could lift our skirt to see them (laughs) rather than look down the top. I don't know. But at least we've got boobs. Possibly. But I think at at the end of the day, your message about being the best version of ourselves ourselves is so important Mm -hmm. because we often put ourselves on the back burner, you know, our health, our well-being, whether that be physical, you know, emotional, mental health and things like that. And we shouldn't do that. Well, I think it's not being selfish. No, and I think what you're saying too, if we can remember, the thing I love most about NLP and hypnosis Mm. is we access resources. So the things that you already have, but not like counselling where we dig up the past and all these experiences and relive them and rehash them. Mm. We actually go back using a thing called timeline therapy and we go back to a time where we can use that moment of challenge as an opportunity to learn from it. What did I learn from that? Because you've survived it. You're here. Yeah. What can we learn from that now with the knowledge and the tools and the skills that we have instead of carrying it as a piece of baggage? Mm, mm, mm. And just to, it's probably a big subject to open right now, but I was sexually abused when I was a child. Kim, I'm so sorry to hear that. It was pretty gross and horrible, but that's it's not uncommon, I hate to say. No, mm, as we... No. And so when I think back to that time, my Mm. mum really fought for this. We went to court. He was put in prison for what he did. And I look back at that now and some would say, that would ruin your relationships or how do you trust men or whatever. I think my mum did such a great job of honouring the fact that it wasn't my fault. So I didn't grow up believing I Mm. caused this, it's my fault. Yes, I can talk about it very openly and whenever I have someone, and I I think because I've experienced it, I can see it very quickly. mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And so using those experiences, what did I learn from that man? Well, there was no way I was going to let any man take my children, Mm. uh, the next door neighbour take my kids to an event. Now, maybe that could be overprotective, but I made sure I screened Mm. who it was that had my kids. So Mm. I learned something from that. Or Mm -hmm. I learned to talk to my children when they were younger about their body, their safe, their their place. Yeah, what so, to look out for. And what mm. to look out So it was a very beautiful learning. And I don't hate that person. I often then think, what was going on in his world to think that that was okay? Yes. You know, like as a child, I couldn't think like that. Mm-mm. But as I've got older and I've watched so many things occur through life, what on earth drives someone 
to do something so wrong in our society as opposed to being a good granddad. And mm. I guess, again, mm. it comes back to maybe he was damaged and abused, like this repeated patterns, this mm. desire to be in control. I don't know. He's not alive, so I couldn't ask him. But it all comes back to those beliefs. And I guess one other way to look at it, if you were brought up in Australia, New Zealand, down under, it's pretty safe to say that we don't agree you should have more than one husband or more than one wife. But if you were brought up in the UAE, in the United mm. Arab Emirates, you or, were Utah. Realize, or Utah, it's okay to have six wives. Mm. So which one's right and which one's wrong? It's just a belief. So mm-hmm. nothing is true. It's just based on your perceptions of what you think is reality. Nothing's even real. It's just a perception. Oh, I can wait now. <laughs> I thought we'd finish on that. Let's <laughs> yeah. go down the rabbit hole. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Nothing is real. This isn't even real. Who are you? Yeah, oh are we gosh, even here? just all energy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love these conversations. Yes. Yeah, they are yeah, fascinating. It's funny how that unpacks. It's just that might be a third episode. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have you back in a year, right. and we'll do the. Yeah, it's a great conversation. Go after we've evolved a little bit more. <laughs> well, we're doing our best, don't we? We're doing very well. Mm. Doing amazingly. Are we going to do our wrap up question? Well, with Kim? Kim's already been in mm. for our, and she's already had our wrap up question before. It? Well, it's you've the, forgotten. Um, <laughs> what advice would fifty-ish Kim give to her twenty-ish self? You might so, have a new one. There might be multiple might. things. See, there might be multiple. Well, if you can't remember how you answered last time, we'll see. Just, yeah, yeah. I can't remember how I answered. What would my fifty-year-old say to my twenty-year-old self? Look, life might not work out the way you think it's going to work out. It might not go according to the plan that you've created but my god it's a ride and hold on and give it everything and know Mm. that everything is there to teach you it's an opportunity to learn and grow and expand your own consciousness and awareness and have greater and deeper relationships keep doing it babe you're amazing thank you so much thank you for honoring us with your precious time in our studio and coming on our podcast oh we just adore you so much yeah thanks Kim thank you for the work you both do it's incredible your podcast is so educational (laughs) (laughs) well it's definitely a different perspective at times (laughs) it is it is but that's okay we love yes. it. Yes. And it's so nice. And we will put in the show notes links to Kim's website, which includes her mentoring as well as her 28 essentials, the organic essential oils and skin products, which are just divine. And I'm actually doing some work with Kim. She's mm. mentoring me at the moment, which I am incredible. It's so enjoying. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It's so amazing because... When you're open to learning and open to changing, it's such a beautiful space to work with someone in that yeah. area mm-hmm. because we get curious about all our reactions rather than yeah. judging them. Mm. And then we use things like the oils to aromatically anchor in those good learnings. It is just, you're, an, you're a trooper, you're amazing, and it's such an honour to work with you. I'm having cold showers, I'm dancing, I'm putting oils on. Kim was actually you're in my thriving. ears as I went to bed last night. You're, you're thriving. <laughs> I'm going to sleep with you now. <laughs> oh my God, hypnosis. It's so good. I'm in so many people's ears. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I think yeah, I need a bit of that. I'm such a poor sleeper. Anyway, oh. so that's it from us today. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram at don'tgiver50 or email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. And if you've got a moment, leave us or send in a review or suggestions of topics you'd like to know more about. Remember our gorgeous 50-ishers. Life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and ageing is a privilege and just being awesome is our absolute right. Absolutely. And are we ageing? Are we here? Are we actually here? I don't know. Who are you? <laughs> Where are we? Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Oh, I love it. Thank you, gorgeous Kim. Take love care. You, Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. 
Foster Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.